Okay, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Okay, I'll exit there. Thank you. Um, so this book, who's read, who's read the book Boundaries before? You read Boundaries? Okay. I, okay. Who has the book Boundaries who just never read it? <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Um, there's also a book, right, Sandy? Boundaries for Kids. It's a supplement. Okay. Who has that book? You have it? Oh, you've read both? Okay, perfect. Come up here. Sit. Come sit down. Ba- okay, Boundaries for, well, that's a tough one. Boundaries for teens. Okay, so um, these books, uh, these questions Sandy has has um, put together for us, these questions. Um, so we can kind of go through. We're obviously not going to go through all of them, but um, I've just picked a couple that I think are probably interesting for us. And uh, the ones that I kind of think about are the on the second page, boundaries and responsibilities, and instilling versus repairing boundaries. And there's a bunch of questions here for us to kind of go through together. Um, and then just discuss. So it's very much an open discussion. Um, and uh, so we can give each other help, support, you know, with our kids. And obviously boundaries is a very critical thing um, in a world that doesn't have very many boundaries these days, I would, I would say. So um, I think we can just kind of start by going through the questions. Um, unless someone wants to say something about the books. The book's very good. Did you? Re- yeah? Okay. So we'll start on the second page, the boundaries and responsibilities. It says, God, the good parent, wants to help us, his children, grow up. As we mature in the Lord, we learn how to take responsibility for our lives. Likewise, as parents, we are to teach our children about responsibility. Second, only to helping, second only to helping our children learn how to form strong attachments, how to bond, is giving them a sense of responsibility and understanding of what they're responsible for and not responsible for, the ability to say no and to accept no. Um, and then the first question says, according to Ephesians 4.13, what is God's goal for us, his children? Uh, let me pull it up. I can read it. If you have your phone or your Bible, you can also pull it up. So Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I'll read it again a little bit slower. What is the goal based on this verse? Till we all come to n- the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What do you guys think is God's goal for us as his children? Gabe? Gabe? <laughs> I don't want to. If no one else is using a microphone, it's going to sound. <laughs> this recording is going to sound very odd. Um, do you want to sprinkle, Sharif? Do you want to sprinkle microphones around? Are you recording all this? Okay. Anyone else have any comments on that? I think. I mean, think, I think Gabe's right. I think key word here is unity. Unity of faith. Unity with God. You know, our our the goal for our children is that they become united with Christ. Right. Everything we do, all the fasting, all the spiritual exercises, all that stuff is for them to know God and to be united with him, right? So that's kind of everything we do should be geared, you know, with that goal in mind. Right, it's for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yeah, and I think even before that, he says, he, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers <coughs> for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of the Christ. So I guess, yeah, that, so everyone has their different talents, and all of it is for the church, right, the body of Christ. We all, our kids should be involved in the church in different roles, whatever their talents are, to help, like Mary was saying, edifying the body of Christ. So it's wonderful that our kids are here on a Saturday all together because they're learning that that idea of always being in the church and your role is to be um, to serving in the church. And all of us as well, not just the kids, all of us need to be working for this, that we all need to be involved in the church in some way to serve um, for the body of Christ. 
Okay, so the first question on the next page, it says, what did you learn about boundaries when you were a child? Did you learn to hate them, fear them, respect them, or develop them? So this is a question for us. Um, maybe some of us remember our childhood better than others. Um, what did you learn about boundaries when you were a child? I mean, I'm sure some of us had very strict boundaries and some of us maybe not so strict. So what do, what do we recall? Boundaries at that time felt heavy, like I hated them. <laughs> but today, I love them. Yes, because they set the shape who I am today. So how did you feel, I guess when you were a child, how did you feel like when you said you hated them? Why did you hate them? How about anyone else? Yeah, the idea, the, the the purpose behind the the boundaries our parents set were maybe with the idea of control. Yeah. Okay, that's a great one. So what else? I mean, did anyone fear the boundaries that were set before them? I'm sure some of us did. We were they were allowed to spank back then. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I've heard that too, especially parents of maybe young girls too here. When they came from Egypt, there was like the fear of of the unknown, right? So then that caused them to set very strict boundaries, which I'm sure many um, hated and didn't understand. I think as, as, as we get older as parents, we start to go, oh, okay, I kind of get it now, right? So I know one example I hear from Monica all the time is, you know, her parents never let her have sleepovers when she was younger. And she never understood it. She actually really hated it. I mean, with some of the maybe the church people, but now as a parent of three girls, she's like, no, they're never sleeping in anyone's house, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it always comes around, and I totally agree, you know. So it doesn't matter how close you are. It's just like, no, they can sleep in their own house, right? So certainly I think we get that perspective as parents. Um, did anyone respect them, respect their parents, or respect the boundaries that were set for them? Or is that kind of, as a child, that that wasn't a, a thing that we understood? They establish that through kind of like initially like the fear. I guess the fear. There's some some kind of fear that was implanted. A little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. So then the second question is, how do you respond when others set limits on you now as an adult? How do you respond when the others set limits on you? Do you have a tantrum or sulk? Do you comply in order to keep the peace? Like there's the people that are like the touchy feel people want to hug everybody, and there's some people like no, don't don't touch me, right? Yeah, no, I, that's very true. Well, and also in marriage, because um, Nina and I went to um, there's like little meetings and about boundaries in marriage, and I had never even thought that was something. So hearing like that, my husband can also have boundaries, and the wife also like when the marriage is is healthy was also <laughs> it was also it was kind of like. Well, I thought marriage was just, you know, freedom with one another, but they're actually, each person individually needs to have boundaries to feel healthy. Mm -hmm. 
what's what's like an example of that? Um, like you know, their time with God. For example, like Nina's very like strict on that. Like that's his time. But I'm like, well, what if I want to sit and watch TV? Like you know, they have their their things that they want to make sure that they accomplish, and um, that's like a non-negotiable. So you know, sometimes. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Mark Hansen? There we go. There's a thing called values. What are the, yeah, yeah, oh, that's what we're discussing? You came in a little late. I came in late, bro. Okay, so one of the examples is this. Like, your wife is always, like, at events, your wife is always late. So, and you've spoken with her a couple of times, like, if we can be early. This is not summer, by the way. Don't <laughs> so, let's just make it clear. I'm not talking I about this is the example this. of the book, okay? So, it says after, like, a couple of times, then what you do is you take your car and you tell her, hey, I'll meet you there. I, I That's a little scary for me. I wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying it sets a boundary, like, hey, I, I spoke to you a couple of times, and now I'm going to leave. But don't do it crazy. Like, don't be like, well, I'm leaving you. Like, so just say, I would like to be early. So, you know, whenever you're ready, take your time, but I'm going. So it sets like a healthy boundary. Like, I've spoken to you a couple of times. I'm letting you know. I don't know if that's a good idea, but I'm just saying this is the example the book gave. So I don't, I've never tried it. No, I'm that's good. I mean, you s I think it's how you phrase it too. Like, if you're like, I'm leaving, and then go, right? But then, so say Mark sets that boundary. I'm not picking on Summer, but anyone. That he says, okay, I'm leaving. Now, how do you feel? Because the question is, how do you feel when someone sets that limit on you? Are you annoyed? Are you angry? Am I, like, wh what is, and, I, and I, I feel like we all have, probably, we know the answer, but what do you guys think? When abandoned? Okay. Anything else? Yeah, go ahead. Another example of boundary in marriage is like if you are in an argument and um, one spouse does not knows their their tipping point to where they reach frustration and they stop the argument and walk away, but the other one wants to keep talking. So it's like one understands their limit and the other doesn't. So knowing each other's limits even in negative situations. So I think, I, th I mean, personally, I think if someone sets a limit on me, I get annoyed, a little angry, right? I get frustrated. Like, I think there's different contexts. Like, the context of marriage when someone, when your, when your spouse sets a limit on you, right? I think we're more freely, we feel like we're okay in, like, getting annoyed because they're close to us. But at work, when our boss sets a limit on us, how do we feel? Angry, but we don't, like, go out and, like, get mad at him, right? We just go and complain to another employee about the boss, typically, right? So it's like we have the same reaction, but I think we handle it a little differently. At work, we try and comply just to keep peace with our boss and make sure we don't get a bad review and all that stuff. But at home, we feel more free to, like, you know, verbalize what, what we're feeling, right? So I think there's a connection between maybe that's what they're getting at, being how we are disciplined as children and maybe as adults. I think it's the same reaction, you know, and I th it personally, I mean, I don't know if the book talks about this. Is it, is a, there's, a, there's an element of pride when someone sets a limit on me, right? Because they're doing something, and, I, and it's against me. So I can't, I'm not able to deny myself. In marriage, when our spouse just needs some space, whether we think, well, you know, I'm, what about me, right? We're not really thinking necessarily about the other person. So there's an element of pride, you know, in that, in that, in that, in that scenario. And I think that probably in work, too. You know, if my boss gives me a bad review or something to work on, there's pride. And I'm like, how could he, you know? And so then I get pride. What happens with pride? Pride becomes anger. Or pride becomes something that, you know, um, a, a defense of myself, right? I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that's kind of <coughs> what we're feeling? This is in context for children, right? Children probably have the same attitude. I think in your example for me to relate to because like your spouse is just not equal but your boss like there's a hierarchy yeah right so like in a room i would go and have a chat and talk to the other person but 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, with your spouse, you could be, like, an example of, like, being late. She's like, well, the wife could be like, I wouldn't be late if you helped me get the kids ready. <laughs> and then we could all go in a timely fashion. Okay, so anything else on that? No? So what have your own children learned about boundaries up to this point? Uh, we all have children of different ages, so I'm really curious to hear the answers to this. What have your I wrote down for me nothing. So you guys <laughs> <laughs> Lily, yeah, still little. Absolutely nothing. How about you guys? Can you harness a mom to set boundaries? Because I mean I could cuddle with my kids all day and like not do anything else and I'd be fine. But you know, they're healthy where it's like you can't talk to me this way. You need to do this. So like I don't know what to do with him, <laughs> but uh, but there's a benefit to having those boundaries in a healthy way for the kids, uh, and if necessary for them to be fully functional as young adults. So your uh, response to the boundaries that you have set up, where when he's younger, maybe you're having a harder time, but now he's older, you kind of accept those boundaries. Or well, he knows there's the boundaries are there, but they are frustrating to him. Okay. But so yeah, so me, it's almost it's like very easily spoiled, yeah. right? So, so it's a really hard, because moms, not that dads are not emotional, but they're much less <laughs> than moms, and like we just want to like nurture our kids all the time, so that's a big challenge of yeah. We have that like at dinner time, like I'm very structured, I'm like it's like 6.45, we're not, you're, if you didn't eat, you're done, yeah. right? You mm -hmm. can't eat, like it's 7.20, and they're like, I'm hungry, Monica will give them a piece of cheese. I'm like, no, you can't do that, yeah. right? So I think there's an example there of like boundaries where, yeah. Maybe I mean I'm not. That's obviously not across the board, but at least in some instances, mothers are more, you know, loving. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Who else has children? And what have your children learned about boundaries? Anyone? <laughs> Dad, yes. No, Wait. So you said. Oh, you said boundaries. Yeah. How do your kids react then to each of you? concrete and one's abstract mm -hmm. and but that's a good thing that's why it's a balance so it's okay to have both yeah. that's why you concrete two things mm -hmm. so your children have learned that Mark set boundaries and Jess did not <laughs> I set boundaries yeah. we just have a different we also grew up a little bit differently yeah. so like I was in a very fearful strict childhood and so I think maybe I'm a little more lax on things that I have a different perspective my zero like my beginning to end timeline um, my my <laughs> my timeline my perspective is different I have a different uh, length of my line and my perspective is on a different view than his and so for them to do just one thing I don't put it maybe on the same place of the line that he did his might be like this is all the way up against like to where this is the tipping point of not okay and I'm like my line's like well maybe longer and I put it maybe in the middle it's not so bad okay. yeah so it's just a perspective sometimes of where we choose to put like a data point on a line mm -hmm. and sometimes that will also how we choose to set boundaries I'm like mm, it's okay yeah. it's okay could be worse I've definitely known, noticed that too. The three-year-old's more willing to comply, where the five-year-old's like, I hear the I, I hear the word "it's fine," the phrase "it's fine" all the time. Like, you should do this. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, she's. I think there's a lot of limit testing. I, I think 
I mean, I think when they're younger, at least this is my perspective, please correct me what you guys think, is is they, they don't understand the boundaries, right? I think they start to learn, though, about the boundaries. You know, this is okay and this is not okay. But also, um, I think they start to learn that, I mean, some at that age, they probably don't know what right or wrong is, you know, and in, in in what exactly is right or wrong. Like, you know, sorry, I'm trying to work through my thoughts as I, I think here, but as I, as I talk, but, um, you know, they don't have really, sometimes at three years old, they don't really know what's right or wrong. They just know that when I'm saying a boundaries that the parent now is the one who kind of defines those boundaries, right? And maybe when they get to the older ages, they start saying, well, why are you setting my boundaries, right? of older kids you know what do your children learn about boundaries it's kind of a weird question but they don't like it so they don't understand why you set those boundaries or they understand it and they just don't like it I'm going to use it. Okay. Is it on? Okay. All right. Okay. So they don't like it because it takes away their freedom. And um, like today, we have our incident. He didn't want to come volunteering for the service here in the ARC. And he said, you signed me up for this. I didn't sign myself up for it. I said, it's a commitment. You have to respect your promise. Uh, uh, he said, I don't like going. I don't want to go up out of the house on Saturday said, I don't like it either, but we have a commitment, let's do it. So you explain it, right? It's not just like, hey, you're doing this. You say like, you give I them the- I try to avoid this phrase like I said so, or it is how it is or whatever. I try to go for reasoning with him, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so I think there's that uh, concept of setting the boundaries, but also giving them reasoning, even when they're young, why I'm setting up these boundaries, right? Not just this authoritarian, like, you are going to have this because this is the way it is kind of thing, right? So, so then how do your children respond when others set limits on them? This is a good one. How do your children respond when others set limits on them? Do they have a, a tantrum or sulk? Do they comply in order to keep peace? And I'll tell you when they're young, at least in my experience, because my kids are all young, is that usually all of them have gone through a phase where if someone says something to them that's not their parents, they will cry instantly, right? Because they don't respond well to other people setting limits on them. Like, don't touch this. Tears, and then they run to us, right? Um, I'm not sure as they get older. I mean, I think with the teachers at school, I mean, maybe there's one way to respond with other people who aren't their parents. They respond a different way. When Abuna talks to them, they respond a different way. But what do you guys think? How do your children, in particular, have you observed that they respond when other people set limits on them? This is the same question we had for us earlier, but now it's applied to the, the children. respectful for other people who set their limits on them, which is interesting. Okay. Why do you think that is? I think that I think a lot of it is the comfort, yeah, probably. Whereas other people, they don't feel comfortable in, you know, saying it's fine, yeah. 
this is obviously very important because I think, I mean, as far as I understand, like, you know, it's a little bit different when we were growing up versus when our kids are growing up. There's a lot of, with the kids nowadays, it's about, um, I'm, uh, this may be wrong. This is what I hear, okay, is that they're, uh, we, we treat them a little bit with kitty gloves, right? And we don't necessarily, we try and reassure them in a lot of positivity, which is very important. Positivity is very important, but it's kind of the point where they can never do a fault. They can never do something wrong, right? So we don't set up boundaries. It's all just about, you know, building that kid up, building that kid up, and we think that boundaries are going to kind of um, create a negative relationship, right? And I think as they get older, you see a lot of kids who come into the workforce now who can't really handle a negative word from a boss or a negative word from someone else because their whole life they've been perfect, right? Their parents kind of have that helicopter thing about them. Like if someone says something to my kid, no, that's not really, you. it's not you, it's, it's, it's them, right? So um, when they get older, they start to respond to limits like, wait, what's happening? Like, I'm perfect, right? And this person is now telling me I'm not perfect. And I think they have that negative reaction to that. Um, so I think it's important as we're growing up that they kind of understand that, that, act, that idea of humility, right? That you're not always going to be the best person. You're not always going to be the smartest person. So when they go into the work world, they're not shocked when they're not the best person. They're not the smartest person. They don't have the most friends, all that stuff, right? So I think it's th so important when setting limits on them that they understand you know, that aspect of it so they don't get shocked when they're older. And also in a Christian perspective, this is very important. We're going to talk about that on the next section. Does anyone have anything else to add about how their children set does? I wanted to get to the other section because I think it's important. So it says at the end of that last section, you may have realized that you as well as your children need to work on boundaries, developing your own and respecting other people's. Remember that for adults, the relearning, relearning process is not easy. So all of us, um, we all have this idea of having to kind of do self-denial and humility so that we respect other people's limits as well um, and not just have them respect our limits, okay? So let's go to the next section, instilling versus repairing boundaries. Uh, it says, an older woman watching a young mother struggling to get her youngster to sit on a chair by himself wisely said, do it now, dear. Discipline the child now and you might just survive adolescence. Developing boundaries in young children is the proverbial ounce of prevention. If we teach responsibility, limit setting, and delay of gratification early on, our children's later years will be much smoother. It's kind of like Monica had a patient once who set, who told her, they were talking about kids. This woman had like nine kids or ten kids. And she said to her when they were talking about setting limits and boundaries, she said, would you rather discipline a three-year-old having a tantrum or a 15-year-old with car keys and a cell phone? Right? So it's something f interesting to keep in mind that it's now is the time to set those boundaries and limits when we have uh, an, a, a little bit of control. Um, and these three aspects, it talks about responsibility, limit setting, and delay gratification is important for them, but it's so important for the spiritual life. So we're going to talk about that as we kind of go along, that these three elements are very important for the spiritual life. Uh, the first question says, think about your adolescence, and if you can remember your childhood, could your adolescence, this is a really hard question, could your adolescence have been predicted by the way you were disciplined? Oh, my thing froze on me. Sorry. Could your adolescence have been predicted by the way you were disciplined or not disciplined as a young child? Explain how what you learned or didn't learn as a child affected your adolescent years. So can we, can we create this link between how we were disciplined by our parents as a child um, to how we were behaving in adolescence years? And this could have been an, uh, an inverse correlation, you know, <laughs> like how we were that it, it kind of drove us to a negative behavior in our adolescent years. Or maybe they did something in our young years that formed us that we did, that it was uh, impactful in a positive way in our adolescent years. Um, what do you guys think about that one? Is this on? Um, my parents weren't perfect, and I certainly wasn't either. But I do think that one thing that they did well, that they started when I was young, was that they would ask us to visualize how we're gonna respond in a certain situation. So when I was young, it was if you go to the park and someone asks you to come over to their house and you haven't told us where you're going, what are you gonna do? Um, so to like to visualize, or if you go, I was allowed to have sleepovers and I am not gonna let my kids. Um, <laughs> but if, 
if you go over to so-and-so's house and they put on a movie that's rated PG-13 or R, what are you going to do in that situation? So they would ask us to visualize it before we got there. Um, and that applied to like, if okay, your friends have invited you over to their house. What if someone provides alcohol? You know, what are you going to do? And I thought that really did impact me a lot and the decisions that I made as an adolescent because I had started doing that as a kid. Did you, when they asked you that, did you communicate what your response was back to them and then you guys would talk it through or was it? Yeah. And I, and I, I wouldn't admit it to them then, but I know at the time, like I had already thought it through and I had already prepared how I would say no. And I wasn't giving my parents like validation at the time being like, y'all are awesome. It was so easy for me to handle this situation. But that is actually what was happening in my brain. But I was disrespectful. <laughs> when I actually spoke to them. That's really good. I like that's a great idea. Okay. What else? No none of us remember our childhood years, I guess. He's watching out. Don't <laughs> I mean certainly there's the idea I've heard that when our parents are ultra strict, it can kind of go the other way where in our adolescent years, we, those boundaries are so tight and there was, no, there was no context given to them that when we became adolescents and had an element of freedom, it was just, you know, whatever goes, you know, I now have freedom. So there's definitely that, you know, negative kind of correlation if, if we're overly strict with boundaries. And I think it's not necessarily the, the strictness of the boundaries, it's the fact that we don't explain why those boundaries are in place. Anyone else? There's a lot of quiet people here today. Mark. impacts how you behave because you're doing everything to try and make other people validate you. and that kind of goes to what I was saying earlier about how like if we're constantly giving our kids like this you're the best you're you're you know you can't do no wrong at it's it's going to be uh, boundaries are so important right and setting limits are so important you know and that's even just in a secular sense but also in our christian sense right god of course sets many limits on us we can choose to do it or we we can choose not to do it but of course he has lots of limits so um then it, the next question is, thanks for sharing, Mark. So which of these areas, if any, responsibility, limit setting, and delay of gratification are you still working on for yourself? So who knows? I guess first of all, let's talk about the three things. Responsibility, I, I, I think, is self-explanatory. Limit setting, right? Limit setting is simply like the process by which we set the rules 
and how the, we give out the consequences, right? So there's a rule and there's a consequence. And how do we go about giving our kids those limits, so setting those limits? And delay of gratification, do you guys know what that means? I'm assuming you know what it means, but this, I think, is like the critical one for our spiritual life. This is so critical, especially in a world which is obsessed with instant gratification, obsessed with instant gratification. And all of us are guilty of it because we have phones in our pockets that are typically in our hands, right? So, I'm sorry, 99% of us. Um, so the delay of gratification, of course, is how do we, tr how do we teach our kids that um, to wait for the better thing, right? So you've heard of those experiments where they're like, tell the kid you can have one marshmallow right now or you can wait 15 minutes for five marshmallows, right? And there's videos online of these kids like trying to figure out how to wait, you know? And some of them are just you know, shoving it down their throat. They don't want to wait. Others like are trying to talk themselves and kind of, and, and, and you know, provide some kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, distraction, thank you. So they can wait the 15 minutes. So how do we instill that skill on our kids? Because that one is, I think, huge. So I guess the first question is how are we working on it ourselves, Hi. for ourselves? Which of these areas are we, are if, uh, maybe we're all good, we're not working on these. <laughs> Sorry, these questions are a little bit tough, I understand, like just out of the, out of the blue. Fasting, that's a good one. Perfect time right now for Lent. Fasting is the, I guess, the idea of delay, gratif delay of gratification or limit setting, limit setting. I guess that's the next question too. We can kind of put them together. What are you doing to teach your children these three elements? Responsibility, limits, and delay of gratification. And I like to hear like practical things that we're trying to do to teach our kids those things. Because I think we can all share with each other so we can all help each other. Because this is a very, uh, raising kids is a challenging thing. So what are kind of some practical things we're doing to do that? Responsibility, limit setting, and delay of gratification. <laughs> Does that work for you? Because it gets bigger. So responsibility, right? Yeah. That's great. That's great. What else? What are some other um, ideas for kids of all ages, how we can do these things? So you, so they can't go to ballet or something until they've done their their work essentially. Yeah. 
All right, for uh, delay of gratification, we try to implement the rule of uh, do you need it or you want it? Mm. Need is something essential that it will help you in something. Want it, just want it because I want it. it is. For example, like getting a new keyboard or something. I'm, I'm talking about my 12 years old. Uh, why do you need it? Uh, it looks cool and better. What does it have more options than what you have? And he keeps talking about how great is this thing. Did you get uh, go to read reviews? Can you do more work up on this? And he comes back, you know what? I think the one I have is okay for now. So when you push them to do some extra work to realize, do I really need it or want it? It slows down the gratification. And if you just don't say no at the beginning, just reason with them a little bit until he reaches the decision, okay, I can wait. I will save for it, or maybe I will look for something different, but just let them kind of invest their time looking more into this before you give the final answer. Yeah. Kind of setting boundaries on their, not on yes or no, but it's like boundaries on their, you know, how they process of how they decide whether to do yeah, something Yeah, uh, you, you push them to spend more time, and instead of just at the instant gratification in the moment by saying yes or no, and no will go in another direction of discussion and like a lengthy uh, pushing of their limits, yeah. I think when we were kids, it was a lot, at least this is what I, I noticed, as parents now we have, it's easy for us to buy something now because Amazon is right there on our phones. Kid says, I want something. Sometimes easier is to go and say, okay, we'll get you for that and we'll get on Amazon and do that, right? I mean, when I was a kid, it's like, okay, we'll get that at Christmas or we'll get that at, at our birthday. Like there's always, there, there's something we have to wait for. It's not just you're going to get that now. And like, you know, in the grocery store, it's very annoying because they're like seeing all the stuff. Can I get this? Can I get this? Can I get this? And it's very easy to just give in and say, you know, here, you can have this. But I remember as a kid, like after hockey, I'd be like, can I get a Slurpee? And they'll be like, not this time. And it'd be like, I have to wait like five games to get like one, two dollar Slurpee, right? And I, huh? <laughs> Inshallah. Yeah, exactly. God willing, we'll get that. So uh, certainly I think there's we have that as, pa I think we have to work on that as parents this instant gratification like it uh, Mary was talking about social media um, it can apply to everything social media for sure is like the, the primary thing now that we can always we always have that sense of need of entertainment at our and it's, and it's always at our fingertips and we have to deprogram ourselves from that right because I think that even influences us as parents and how we parent sometimes it's easier now that we're used to this instant gratification it's harder for us to hold out on our kids when they when they're asking for something sometimes it's easier like you said just give them the tablet that's easier for us. Um, so we've kind of pr been programmed into this instant gratification world. So we've, as parents, maybe become um, slack, and we don't want to have to get go through that necessary that struggle um, with our kids, right? But it's critical for them, of course. Our whole spiritual life, I mean, it's it's a struggle to stand up to pray. The struggle is fast, right? All these things are delayed gratification. Spiritual life is the very essence of delayed gratification. Right. Sometimes in the service, you could be serving kids for years. They're they're leaving the church and you get no gratification. Right. The gratification may never even come, but we do it for the purpose of doing service. Right. And serving God um, as kids, as parents, too. We may not see that gratification coming back. That our kids are acting perfect all the time. Right. So that 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 result, we have to we're delayed in seeing that result of our kids. You know, okay. And um, fasting, of course. I remember Buna telling us once, like, trying to explain to someone how to why we fast, right? You can't explain to someone why we fast. Like, okay, you tell them how we fast, but then why do we fast? It's fasting is something you have to do, you have to experience to understand where is where that leads, right? The gratification comes through the the uh, the act of obedience in doing that, and then the delayed response. And for fasting and praying, that could be years, right, before we truly understand why we do things. It is the spiritual life, if we want our kids to be living this life, they have to learn this delayed gratification. Um, and, of course, we have, as parents have many challenges these days with that, more than I think maybe than our parents did. you have anything to say? What do you want to say? <laughs> and then same with limit setting, right? God has given us commandments. We can choose whether we want to follow them or not, right? The church gives us many things. Um, nowadays, right, the church has set many boundaries, especially in, in terms of social beliefs, right, that the world has maybe disagrees with. So um, 
that's a limit that we can either choose to you know agree with the con the, what the church says or we choose to you know ne- not necessarily believe so there's limits within the church there's limits with god of course and as parents we have to pass those limits on as well to our kids um any other examples that you guys want to share i think we're done it's 11:15. but does anyone else have anything to share gave you're quiet summer are you just stretching Yeah, like I always struggle with the idea of giving them a reward for like doing things they should do, you know, like clean up your toys. I'm like, and then I'm like, well, you can get. Some, well, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll get you a, a treat if you clean up your toys. And I'm like, why am I doing that? You should be cleaning up your toys regardless. So there's that idea as well of like, I think it's okay a little bit in the beginning to give them that reward for doing something, but over time, it's it can't always have. It's like the dog. You don't can't always give the dog a treat for laying down, right? You know, th- not that our children are dogs, but. Um, that, <laughs> that, uh, they don't, that's not always why they're doing something for a reward. They're doing something because they're responsible for that I to do. I mean, it's an interesting point, though, that if what you're getting is really stuff that you don't need and you're just buying it, why am I have a different I have a different uh, ideal for myself versus my kids? And same with the phone usage. Like my f- all three of my kids have play phones and they can't leave their their area without a phone. And I'm they learn that from us. Right. They always see us on our phone. So then they're so w- and then I'm like, well, you don't need your fake phone at the table. But then they learn that from me. So I think working on these things as ourselves these limits the responsibilities then they naturally will pass over to our kids whereas if we're just free with ourselves and our, we put all the boundaries on our kids they're going to smell that from a mile away right so and <laughs> much better <laughs> as long as you don't mind your kids doing that <laughs> Hope you watch shares. All right. Anything else I want to share? You gonna pray for us? <laughs> All right. We can stand up and pray if you like. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for a Lord for allowing our children to be in the church on a Saturday, that they may have fellowship with one another, that they may learn about you. Thank you so much for the blessed servants who came here to, to serve our children, Lord, that you may bless them.
that you may bless their service and bless their lives. We thank you, Lord, for gifting us with these wonderful kids. We thank you so much for, for their blessing. We ask you, Lord, that we may treat them as icons of, of Christ, that we treat them icons of you. We ask you, Lord, to help us be discerning in how we set boundaries, be discerning in how we set limits, um, balancing um, balancing their, their respecting these kids and also knowing that these commandments and these limit settings are very important in their development. Help us, O oh Lord God, understand. Help us also set limits on ourselves and not be free with ourselves and, and everything. Help us in our spiritual lives. Help us, O oh Lord, to draw closer to you, especially during this blessed time of Lent, O oh God, that we may know you, that we may love you more every day. We ask all this through your, the prayers of your saints, especially our Holy Mother, St. Mary, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints. Make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.